0: Welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you will be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Today, we are concluding our three-part series on the Lord's Prayer. And we started about three weekends ago studying the Lord's Prayer specifically on God's kingdom and wanting it to invade ours. And we talked about the agenda of God and how we can align our plans and purposes together and in line with God's. And last week, you know, we had such a great time learning from Pastor Cat as she taught us how to truly enjoy and steward God's daily allowance to us. That's right. And God doesn't just want to bless us daily. No, that's a given. But what's more important is how do we steward? How do we handle and redistribute what He has given us? The blessing, the grace, And the time, of course. And I hope that you guys have been experiencing more and more the power of tithing your day and your time to God. Today, I want to talk to us about the armor of God. Now, I know as you're immediately thinking of the armor of God, you're thinking of efficiency. You're thinking of like, you know, the the helmet of salvation and all that. Uh, But today, I want to teach us how to put on the armor of God by praying the Lord's Prayer. You know, why don't we go into scripture and before we read any more scripture, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive. It speaks to us. Lord, we pray that right now as we're about to read scripture, that your word, let every verse, every letter jump out of the page's of the Bibles that we're reading from and let it leap into our hearts. Lord, transform us from the inside out. Correct us, Lord, so that we become more like you. Today, we are gathered not for more information, but Lord, we desire divine transformation in our lives so that we become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't we turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13? Amen. Uh, we've already heard it being prayed, and uh, isn't it amazing to hear you know the Lord being glorified in different languages? And uh, right now we want to read it for ourselves. In Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, uh reads like this in this manner, therefore, pray. You know, Jesus knows that our lives are are, are most are, are best enjoyed or most fruitful, or we live our fullest life. You know, Jesus said, "I come to give you life, and life to the full." We live our fullest lives when we our lives are in line with God's purposes, uh, when we are uh, enjoying and stewarding uh, His provision. And of course, when we are pursuing holiness with God. And that's why the Lord's Prayer, you know, was designed in such a way that helps us to do all of those three things. And so today, with the title of the armor of God, I want to teach us, I want to help us on how we can pursue holiness into a deeper intimacy with God. Now, straight away, I want you to know that holiness, first of all, is, you know, it's it's a gift from God. But do you know that there's also two types of holiness and God expects both from us. You know, we know for a fact that we are saved. Our sins are forgiven because God first loved us. And so, we are saved, you know, by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus, believing that He died for our sins. Now, that kind of holiness is a positional holiness. You know, if I want to use a very big Christian word, uh, that's our justification. Ooh, I know. you know. But God doesn't want us to just be justified, you know, in terms of a holiness. God wants us also to be sanctified or in other words, you know, behavioral holiness. Uh, let me put it this way. Um, when I got married with Pastor Kat in 2012, specifically July 21st, 2012, you know, uh, we became husband and wife. Now today, you know, we are married and this year uh, would be our ninth uh, anniversary and and today she is no less my wife than she was uh, nine years ago. Uh, And and so what does that mean? It means that when we give our lives to Jesus, you know, uh, whether you were eight years old or whether you were 18 years old or, or just eight months ago, you know, that That changed your status forever. That's right. In 2012, me and Kat, our status changed from just fiancé or girlfriend, boyfriend to become husband and wife. And today, we're still husband and wife. And on one hand, when God saved us, He changed our status in His eyes. Once we were sinners, now we are saints by His grace and His finished work on the cross. So, what we do cannot make us more holy. But now that God has healed us, now that God has, uh, you know, saved us, uh, He expects us, the Bible says, to bear fruit in accordance to our repentance. Uh, the Bible says also this, that you shall know a tree by its fruit. You know, so we cannot just be Christians in name only. Uh, We can't just be claiming, oh, Jesus saved me. And he did. But now that we are saved, uh, we also need to show, you know, works that reflect the salvation of God. And that's what I mean by sanctification or, or pursuing Holiness, and this is what Jesus wants us to do. He knows that you know this prayer when He taught it, you know it would transcend. You know, it, even though when He taught it, He had yet to go to the cross, He knew that this teaching is eternal, like all of God's word. It is eternal. It is timeless, and it applies not just then, then, but it applies even after the finished work on the cross. So God knows that after we have been saved by grace, saved by him, you know, we are still to align our lives to the purposes of God, we are still to be stewards of God's provision, and we are still to pursue holiness. Like I said, when I married Pastor Cat, you know, back then we are married, today we're still married, married is married. But what has changed? Our intimacy has changed. And that's what holiness is. Many times we think of holiness like a boring word. We we think that it just means having a halo over our head. And, and maybe cartoons have, have played this up in a negative way. People look at heaven as a bunch of people wearing white robes with halo on their head, playing harps for eternity. And therefore, when we think of holiness, we think boring, but that's not what that is. Holiness is intimacy with God. Like I said, you know, I've been married to Pastor Cat for nine years now, or I mean approaching nine years now, and what truly has changed is that we've become more intimate. More intimate in our communication, more intimate in our knowledge of each other, so much so that now we can finish each other's sandwiches, I mean sentences. And and that's the beautiful thing and and that's what I want to get us to today. Amen? You know, and and what we need to know that is that as much as there is, you know, God on our side, uh, we shouldn't be ignorant of our enemy. There is an invisible enemy that we face. It's just as how we pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done for every kingdom, for every king that is an opposing a nation that is an enemy. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, hey, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one he is also wanting us to be aware that hey uh, uh, this is the life I want to live for you but there is someone out there prowling to sabotage your life you know he is your worst enemy and he is the devil I know sometimes in church when we talk about God and devil it feels like you know are you are you for real are you serious but yes the Bible is very serious Jesus cast out demons and so the demonic realm is real. You know, just like how we are currently living in a pandemic, you know, there is a, a invisible threat, just like how in our spiritual realm there is an invisible threat. And so what I hope to do today is help us uh, to know how to put on the armor of God through the Lord's prayer uh, so that we uh, do not become fearful. Because there can be two responses when you hear about, you know, things like, oh, demonic opposition or, you know, the devil. Uh, Just like when you hear of the coronavirus, uh, you can either A, be very fearful and go like, oh no, I'm so scared, I'm so scared, you know, Uh, bump in the night, I'm so scared, is that the devil? You know, something goes wrong, ah, the devil, you know, And, and like the pandemic, we can be so scared that we become so paralyzed that we, we just stay indoors, you know? That we do things that are irrational, like buy up 50 years load of toilet paper and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Fear makes us irrational. Uh, And also, fear sometimes can can make us so fearful that we start blaming everything. And that's what a lot of fearful people are doing right now. They're reading news and they're they're blaming the government, they are blaming their neighbors, they're they're, they're just, you know, because that's what fear does. It makes us our own worst enemy. But if we, on the other hand, if we're too ignorant and go like, you know what, <sighs> you know, pandemic, standemic, you know, I'm just gonna go out there, I'm gonna live my life, you know, I don't care, I'm gonna touch everything, I'm gonna lick everything, I'm just gonna, you know, and that's wrong as well. And so the fine line between dealing with the spiritual realm and spiritual attacks and 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 the devil, the, the or or a tempter. Uh, is not to be so fearful that we give him way too much credit and also not to be so ignorant uh, uh, as if like someone going out without wearing a mask that we don't realize, hey, you know, we need to uh, do our part. We need to uh, take the necessary precautions. Otherwise, we will fall sick or in terms of our battle with temptation, we will fall. It will fall from grace. And so, Today, I want to help us to unpack this. And one better way to unpack this uh, than to look at the original sin. You know, Jesus came to save us from the effects of that original sin when Adam and Eve fell. And so if we can look at how, you know, mankind first fell, then we will be able to, you know, prepare ourselves and, and we'll be able to make a better stand, you know, when we ourselves are uh, tempted. So let's go to the original problem and let's look at how Jesus will teach us to solve it. Amen. So why don't we turn? I know we're talking about the Lord's Prayer. We'll come back to it in a while, but let's first turn to Genesis chapter 3. Amen. Genesis 3 verse 1 to 6. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 6. And uh, if you're there, can I hear a good amen? Amen. Let's go. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate, and we will stop there and go back and read on, but the rest is history. The rest is the rest of mankind. You know, murder, theft, you know, poverty, corruption, war, everything came out of that one fruit. Now, what I want us to focus on, I'm going to bring us bit by bit through this, and I want to teach us how actually, you know, Jesus in in the Lord's Prayer was actually preparing us on how to withstand against the temptation of the enemy. You know, the, the line, many times when we read in the Lord's Prayer, and it feels like it's a it's a little throwaway line. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. But actually, the, the lead not causing us not to fall into temptation and and, and the protection from, from the evil one doesn't just start at verse 13, it starts at the start of the prayer. But I'm going to go into that in a bit. Uh, but first of all, let's learn of the schemes of the enemy. You know, if we can know how the enemy attacks, how the enemy tempts, then we will know how to defend and how to put on the right armor at the right time. Amen? You know, so the first thing we got to understand when we read this, okay, uh, is that when the devil tempts us, many times he causes us to lose focus or he causes us to have the wrong focus. And that's the first thing Satan did uh, when he tried to, you know, bring the woman down. He said that, has God indeed said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden in verse 1? And, and what. I want us to know is this that you know we don't have to turn to it, but earlier on in chapter two, what God actually told uh, Eve was this: of every tree, of sorry, of every tree. I'm about to say tree and fruit, truth Anyway, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. This is in uh, Genesis chapter two, verse 16. Uh, but in verse 17, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so do you see what the devil very cunningly did there? God said, every tree you can eat, there's one you can't eat. And the devil says, hey, I heard that God says you can't eat every tree. And so the devil is tempting the woman to f- change her focus from the abundance that God has in store for her uh, to the one thing that God doesn't want us to touch. Uh, and, and unknowingly, sometimes we do that, don't we? You know, you know, God has, you know, there's so much more in store for us you know christianity is not boring you know it's it's god wants us to do so much you know if if you want to talk about things that we can't do you know go back and 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 re-listen or re-watch our series on the 10 commandments there's there's really only 10 things that 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 we need to be watchful against but everything else we can do go have your best life go climb every mountain go pursue your career go uh uh, eat good food and, and all that you know but the devil wants us to change our focus from the the all that God has in store for us and focus on that one thing, that one thing that God still hasn't done yet or that one thing that God says we can't do. You know, and and I I hear this all the time when people come to me and they go like, well, I really want to uh, 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 believe in Jesus. You know, He's so good. He's so loving. But how come, You know, uh, 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 God doesn't allow us to do that one thing. Or I hear people say like, uh, you know, I I love God and and, and Christianity sounds like, you know, what I need. Uh, I really need God, but I really can't reconcile uh, uh, how God can create everything in six days. Uh, The devil wants us to, if I can use this word, major on the minor. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's so many things. God wants us to focus on the abundance, uh, but they're only minor things. Uh, one thing, and, and the thing is this, right? Uh, not everything uh, is good for us. No, that, that's not God being cruel. That's just God protecting us. You know, as much as uh, we love, let's say, for example, one day God bless you with a child, and as much as you love your kid, uh, you cannot be you know, giving the child candy non-stop, you know, in fact, when the baby's first born, no candy until, you know, they're much older, 18 years old, than candy, you know, Um, but, you know, no candy. Uh, Why? Is candy evil? But at that time, at that time for a baby, candy is evil, am I getting through to you, you know? And so it's not just about things that we can't do, you know, like for example, I love God, but why, uh, why must, you know, a, a marriage be defined that way? You know, Christianity is all great, but, but if only we can change that, you know? And, and that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to look at the one thing, the one thing that God says, don't touch that, don't change that, trust me in that, you know, whether it's the creation story, go like, what? You know, seventh and all, but signs, and God said that, I know there's one thing that feels illogical to you, there's one thing that feels odd to you, but would you trust me in that? And, and so, what we need to do is this, as the enemy tries to attack uh, and wants us to have the wrong focus. You know, I wrote here, the devil wants us to to major on the minor. Jesus, through the Lord's prayer, wants us to have heaven on earth. That's right. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, we read that earlier on. Jesus says, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. God desires the earth to be filled with his glory and God desires for you to be part of that plan. You know, God decides, God sees. God's not blind. He sees the hurt in the world today. He sees the sickness. He sees the disease. He sees the poverty. He sees the pain. He sees the destruction. But God doesn't want it to stay that way. Instead, God wants us to carry His healing to the ends of the earth. He wants us to carry His good news to the ends of the earth. He wants us to carry, you know, our encouragement. You know, He wants to use you, friends, you know, uh, to, to, to feed the poor. God wants to bless you so that through you, you know, schools can be built. Ministries can be birthed. More people can come to know of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we We live in a world where we go like, wow, you know, isn't that person amazing? He's a philanthropist, you know, always just doing good works. But God wants all of us to partake of the heavenly work of redeeming, of not just redeeming, but causing the earth to reflect heaven. Wouldn't you love to be part of God's healing process to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free know, to, to, to be there and, and, and not just be there, but be a solution to the problems of the world, that's just so much more. That's life and life to the full that God wants us to experience. And yet we are always hung up on that one thing. Wait, 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 wait. I want to do all that. And we are like the rich young ruler. I want to follow you. I want eternal life. But leave my possessions That one thing, that one thing, yeah, that one thing, friends, you know compared. To the so much more that God has in store for you. Why are we always tempted to focus on not just the one thing, but the wrong thing? Isn't it ironic that sometimes God challenges us to forgive, and we can forgive anyone, you know, and we can forgive even people who don't know uh, Christ, and 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 they they do worse things to us. They 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 they, they curse at us. They persecute us. Uh, but. And, and we're okay with forgiving them, we're okay with loving them, but that one brother in Christ, that one sister in Christ who has offended you, you'll be like, oh, you know, I'm never going back to that church again. Why? Of that one Why are we falling prey to the temptation to to cause us to major on the minor, to cause us to focus on the wrong thing? No, what we need to do, and this is point number one, is this, we need to reframe our context that's right. you uh, know put on the armor of god by declaring by praying the lord's prayer. you know the lord's prayer is not just like a, a, a wishful thinking. there is power in it. and every day when you pray the lord's prayer, lord our father in heaven, you know hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, what's that? that's reframing your context. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. What's that? That's the context. There is a bigger will. There is God's will. There is God's plan. There is God's kingdom. And that's why there are certain things that we cannot understand. God, why, why are you so stuck on marriage being defined between a man and a woman? Why can't we just be you know changing with the times and, and, and we might not understand why there? one thing. God says, don't touch. Do it my way. Because we do not understand the context of God. We are not just living for ourselves. We are not living, you know, just for the people around us. There is a heavenly context. There is a heavenly kingdom. There is a will that needs to be done. Amen? You know, it, that there are things uh, beyond our Understanding, you know, we are so finite. Uh, we are, you know, I don't know. At, at most, we live to a hundred. If anyone lives to a hundred, they are blessed. God is eternal. He sees the effects. He sees the danger of our actions, of certain things, the certain values that we accept. He sees how it can poison the generations to come and destroy a society not in our generation, but in generations to come, there is a bigger context. There is eternity at stake. God has a higher point of view. And what the devil wants to trick us is to trick us to to, to look at those one thing that we don't agree with, the one thing that still bugs us and wants us to focus on that. And when we focus on that, we begin to allow that one thing. We forget that God is good. Ninety nine, You know, we got 99 testimonies in our lives. And, and it's that one disappointment that we cannot forget. Why is that? I don't know why is that. Maybe it's our fallen nature. It's definitely the... Temptation of the evil one to try to rob us of our holiness, you know. Because when we when we give in to the temptation of disobeying God or this you no know, of distrusting God, we lose our intimacy with God. You know what I'm saying? When you lose trust with someone, you're not as intimate with that person, and that's what the devil wants to steal. He wants to steal our intimacy with God, us growing closer and closer with God and more like God. So point number one is we need to reframe our context. Amen? Don't major on the minor. Remember, you know, remind yourself this. God wants me, wants me to participate in His plans, His purposes on earth and transforming it, redeeming it so that it reflects Heaven, Amen. There is a larger uh, picture. There's a larger battle at stake. Uh, don't, don't, don't fall for the the, the the trick of the enemy. The second point is this, you know. Or maybe let's look at uh, G- Genesis chapter three, verse four. The second thing uh, that the devil attacks us and tempts us, you know, he tempts us with this, you know, he he, he causes us to doubt. And specifically, doubt God. In verse 4 of Genesis 3, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Everybody say, for God knows. You know, the devil here, you know, for God knows, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful declaration. Only God knows. We trust in him. Uh, but the devil here wants to twist that. Every time the devil tries to twist God's word. And for God knows here is an implication. It is, it is you know, sowing a, a, a doubt into Eve's heart that God is holding something back. For God knows that one day you will surpass Him. For God knows that you might not need Him. And so He's holding this thing back. He has a secret agenda. No, no, no. That's not the case. In fact, the Lord's Prayer connects us to God's agenda. But yet, doesn't change the fact that, that the devil tries to make us think, make us doubt the character of God, and, and makes us suspicious of Him. You know, we go through this all the time. You know, whether... It's because of how our earthly fathers have disappointed us. We cause that to corrupt and color our view of our Father in heaven. Uh, or it could be because of uh, unanswered prayers. You know, for example, you know, you're you're praying for a certain breakthrough, a breakthrough in your work, a breakthrough in the area of your health, uh, and and nothing happens. In fact, the situation becomes worse. You know, you're praying uh, for a breakthrough in your job, you lose your job. You're praying for a breakthrough in your health, in the health of your loved ones, and in the worst, not only do their conditions deteriorate, you lose them to death or together but then somebody else you know comes in and they pray for healing and they get it they pray for a breakthrough in their work and they get promoted and, and sometimes what's what's worse and I use it loosely worse is that maybe you feel like you know how come I fasted and prayed and you pray for a minute you, you, and, and, you know I have been a Christian for ten years and you've been a Christian for ten minutes you know, how come God is kinder to you than me? And and what happens is that the devil comes in, he whispers, you know, you know, he doesn't always comes up to you and say, oh, for God knows, you no, know? but we have a lot of for God knows uh, 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 moments in our life when we're faced with a disappointment and then we go like, you know, God, are you holding back? God, how come? How come? And I want you to know this happens to all of us. You know, as a pastor, you know there are moments where I go, "God, how come? How come I'm, I'm I'm preaching the gospel and 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 nobody's getting saved, and and how come another person's having a more successful ministry than me? You know, how come that person's getting ahead uh, and I'm being stuck behind? And and the longer we 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 begin to buy into the lie of the enemy to say it not causing us to go like, you see, God knows, God knows that, that, that you know, whatever it is, God knows that you be naughty, God knows that, you know, you're not as holy, and God knows that's why He's punishing you, that's why He's causing your prayers not to be answered, no, you know, that God's, God's, God's making your life miserable, you know, God knows that you like that person and He wants to take it away because He is he's he's whatever, you know, He is evil, and, and, but I want you to know that is not true. Doesn't change the fact, if we're really honest, all of us go through that from time to time. When we're down in our dumps, when we feel alone, when we feel defeated, when we experience defeat, when we go through the valley, you know, very often we will wonder, God, are you really there? We've all had that, but how does Jesus, you know, come back? this. How does Jesus, you know, retort to this? Jesus reminds us, I wrote here, the devil wants you to think that God is holding back, but Jesus wants you to remember you have a Father in heaven who gives daily. You see, the devil wants you to think that oh, God's holding back. Eve, God's holding back knowledge. Eve, God's holding back a better life for you. You know, whatever you are, whatever you do, you might feel like you know God's holding back. You know, God's holding back on the fun. You know, oh no, God, your ways are so boring. You know, I, I just want to party. How come I can't just party like like my friends? How can I just party like the world parties? And God, you're holding me back. No, God's not holding you back. In fact, God loves you. He is a father in heaven. And not just that, he gives, gives, gives. What we learned last week, our daily bread, giving daily. And so this is what we need to do. Point number two, we need to remember God's character. When we pray the Lord's prayer, Jesus knows that the enemy will attack God's character. So we need to remind ourselves First of all, reminder number one, how does the prayer start? Our Father. Not our taskmaster. Not our bully in heaven. But our Father in heaven. Hallow be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, every day, a daily allowance. Like a good father, he gives us money every day, he gives us a material blessing every day. But we also learn that it's so much more than material blessing. You know what's the most precious thing that God gave to you? God gave to you forgiveness, forgiveness of our debts. But how did that forgiveness come through his son Jesus? Jesus died for you. How can God withhold back when he gave Jesus? How can God have a, a, a ulterior motive when he gave Jesus? How can God be secretly planned to hurt you when Jesus was the one who got hurt? Jesus was the one who died. Jesus was the one who went to the cross. Jesus was the one who got whipped. Jesus was the one, the one that got slapped. Jesus was the one that got pierced. Jesus... If God loved you so much that he gave his own son as ransom for you, how can he not love you? Or worse, how can we believe that he doesn't love us? So we got to remember, we got to remind ourselves of God's perfect Character. Not only is he God with a heavenly kingdom, with a heavenly worldview and and, and plan for to to, to redeem this world, he is a father, a father who loves you so much that he sent Jesus. You know, who will want orphans like us, God. God looked at the orphan of humanity. Look at how broken we are. Look at how purposeless we are. He says, I want to redeem all of humanity. I want to redeem all these languages. I want to redeem all these races. I want to show them that there is a higher way of living. I want to show them that they are love from above. And so I gave my son, Jesus Before all of us were born, Jesus came and took away all of our sin. So friends, Jesus wasn't joking when he says our father. And he taught us to pray. And when we pray that, we remember again, not only do we have a father, but we have a friend in Jesus. How do we armor up against the attack of the enemy when we remember God's character? And point number three is this, as I bring this to a close. Let's read uh, Genesis chapter three, verse six, right? Genesis chapter three, verse six, the third attack is this, right? Uh, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took off its fruit and ate. And she also gave her husband who was with her and he ate. How does the devil want to trip us up? First of all, he tries to get us to focus on not just the one thing, but the wrong thing. And then he gets us to be suspicious of God's character. And lastly, the devil wants us to be in control. Wait a second. Isn't being in control a good thing? Well, not all the time. Not all the time. Because like I said, you know, uh, context is key. That's why we need to reframe our context. And what is good, you know, is subjective. Like I said, the baby and the candy, you know, context, everything in its proper context. The problem is this, that many times when we are in control or we try to be in control, we don't have the right context we don't have the right motivation. We don't have the right picture. Uh, we don't have all the information. You know, if, if, if you were to do something important, uh, like buy a house or take up a loan, uh, you would hire someone like Pastor Cat, a lawyer who will go through line by line, all the details, all the small fine print so that you can have All the information, you can make the most informed decision so that you will know whether this is the risk that you want to take or risk that you don't want to touch. And so what the devil wants is knowing that we don't have all the information pushes us, pumps us up, hypes us up, makes us think that we have it all, that we know it all, and therefore we can do it all, but it's wrong, wrong, wrong. And, and this is the one that I feel applies to us the most today. Because the truth is this, you know, we live, a lot of people say this, we live in a very grey world, it's not just black and white. And, and when you think about it, so did Eve. Well, not grey, but think about it for a moment. He, she was tempted, but it wasn't the evil. It wasn't the evil of the fruit that attracted her, it was the good. You know, it's, it's written here in verse 6 when she saw that it was good for food. You know, it was a goodness. And so, if we don't have God's context, if our lives are not submitted, if we're not trusting in God's character and His nature, then with our, even with our own eyes, even with 2020 vision, and, and, and Eve definitely had 2020 vision, it didn't say she had glasses there, and she could still make. The wrong decision because good is not good enough when compared to God. And that's how the devil gets to us. He doesn't tempt us with evil. Most of us are not tempted to kill. Most of us are not tempted uh, to steal. Most of us. Uh, but we are usually tempted by the good. Oh, you know, uh, isn't it good? Uh, and, 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 and the way I break it down is this, right? It, it says here that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. For, good for food, you know, it means it's consumable. Consumable means it's pleasurable. And, and many times we make decisions, oh, is that pleasurable? Oh, you know, we love things that are pleasurable. And we are most tempted by things that are pleasurable, and then, so the first thing good for food good for consumption consumption makes me happy pleasure then it was pleasant to the eyes attractive oh beautiful we are, we are you know our eyes gravitate towards beautiful things attractive things and we are always tempted by beautiful things attractive things right and 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 the a tree desirable to make one wise oh wow so not only is it pleasurable, not only is it beautiful, but it is it it feels so intellectual, it feels so logical, you know, it 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 is so wise to have that. What you know what makes all the sense? Wise makes sense to have that, and and that's where the devil traps us. He coats it. It's sin. It's destruction. But he sugarcoats it with pleasure. Pornography. It's sin. Someone's being exploited. But the devil sugarcoats it pleasure. Sugarcoats it beautiful. Look at all the beautiful, gorgeous, naked men and women. Ooh. But the word of God says, no. Don't. You know, that's, you know, lust is. Adultery, you know, be pure. You know, the Bible says to not do not give in to sin and, 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 and or or worse, you know, logic, knowledge. You know, oh, you know, isn't it logical to do that? It doesn't it make sense, you know, it doesn't make sense to tithe, doesn't it make more sense to save money? You know, and then we go like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes more sense to save money. You know, God wants me to have a house. Maybe, you know, if I don't tithe, I can repay this mortgage and then, you know, then I can be a blessing next time, you know. Or maybe I don't need to go to church right now. It is more important to sit for the exam so that when I graduate and then when I become successful and then when I become rich, then I will praise the Lord. Then uh, I will tell people how good God is. Friends, then you won't be a Christian. Because the thing is this, when we are tempted, you know, we fall. When we fall, we lose our intimacy. When we lose our intimacy, we drift away. When we eventually drift away long enough, we, we no longer, you know, look like Christ. We no longer, you know, or worse, we, we become Christians that are Christians in name only, but no fruit, no fruit. We only have emotional repentance. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But in our lives, we're still addicted. We're still in bondage to to uh, you know to all sorts of things. We're still stuck. We're still a slave to sin. God wants us to be set free. You know, I'm just being real because this this is something that 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 hits us, isn't it? You know, the world will, will judge Christianity and says uh, you know w- w- why? For example, like I said, you know, uh, why do you have all this? Rules about purity, you no know, sexual purity, against sexual immorality. You know, people attack us. What century are you living in? You know, look at that. Isn't it beautiful? You know, when people can just love whoever they want. You know, uh, it, it, what what's wrong? You know, you know, just let them do what they want. You know, uh, uh, you know, don't shame them. You know, just as people. They're they, are, they, are, they, are, they are, as long as it's not hurting you. Why? Pleasure, pleasure, as long as it's not not hurting you, as long as not no, uh, disrupting your pleasure. Let them do what they want. You know, we in, in church so many times, you know, people, you know, even in this pandemic, I know Christians and we, we, we get tempted, don't we? You know, you know, uh, uh, uh a guy and girl who are dating in church. Oh, pandemic's coming. Hey, you know, uh, there's a lockdown, uh we, we can't see each other you know because the rules said so except when we have meet outside with social distancing you know and, and it's going to be such so so tough on our uh, mental and emotional health you know so so don't you think it is it is more logical the devil tempts don't you think it is it makes more sense for us just to move in together not just for the pandemic just for the pandemic you know Pastor, you don't understand. You know this is just for the pandemic. We're supporting each other just for the pandemic. Can't you see, Pastor? This is good. Can't you see, Pastor? This is good for mental health. You no, know, we're moving it. And can't you see, Pastor? We're saving money. You know, you no, know, I pay rent. My girlfriend pays rent. Now we we you know we can save it on one rent. That rent can go towards missions. You claim. You know, we can help support each other. We can even tune into church together. That's wrong. It's a slippery slope. You know, we think to ourselves, you no, know, wow, you know, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? You know, we get to experience uh, what, you know, what it feels like to be, you know, married, you know, but, but pastor, don't worry. We will not cross the line. We will not cross the line. And and, and we, we, we make our own rules. We think we're in control. We think we know it all. We think that we are strong enough But the devil knows that we are weak. The devil wants us in control because he knows that he can overpower us. But what does Jesus want? What does Jesus want? Jesus wants us to give our control to God. And so point number three, uh, this, this, this is what happens when we pray the Lord's Prayer. It's also relinquishing our control. Point number three, relinquish your control. This is the armor of God. The devil wants you to be in control so that he can overpower you, but Jesus teaches us to pray that God, that you be in control. Amen. You know, what does it say? It says here, and this is where I want us to focus on, on Matthew 6, verse 13, right? It says, you know, do not lead us into temptation. And when you know, God, God doesn't tempt us. So when, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, pray to God not to lead you into temptation and to deliver you from the evil one. You know, it, it, you know sometimes you read this and you go like, wait, uh, Jesus, you know, does God forget? You know, does he unknowingly lead us into temptation? So we're going to tell him, don't don't God, don't. Remember, no left turn, no left turn, left turn bad, don't turn, don't turn. No, God doesn't need a reminder, But but you know, God has given us a free will. You know, God can't force us, God can't zap us and, and make us obey. We can't, you know, we're not robots. But what Jesus is saying is this hey, would you trust God so much that you give Him the control of your life that He that you trust Him so much that, that you will only go where He leads you. And, and and in other words, wherever He leads you, you will rest in that, knowing that this is a path that doesn't lead to temptation and this is a path that delivers us from the evil one. You know, for example, right? Uh, let's say you have a sweet tooth and and, and I'm just using a more harmless temptation because we've been talking about some heavy stuff. So some harmless temptation, candy, candy, you know? So you have a sweet tooth and if you eat well, any more sweet tooth, you will lose all your teeth. You, you can't, you can't, okay? But guess what? You have to go shopping. Right, you have to go shopping. So, so what do you do? And you, you know, God, I'm so weak. If if I see and, and the shop, you no, know, a uh, uh, Tesco, Sainsbury, whatever it is, you know, rules, they know how to position. They know, know at the checkout to make sure to put some sweets there, to put some soft drinks there. Even when you're shopping for chicken, there's some sweets there hanging around there. Even when you're buying toilet paper, there's some sweets there. Oh, they know how to get you. So, God, I cannot trust myself. I am too weak. My eyes are too weak. If I see sugar, I will crave it. So God, lead me. I gladly, I I am saying, Lord, I don't want to walk into the Sainsbury of life and walk as I please. As I walk into it, lead me. Because you know which owl doesn't have sweet stuff. You know when to... Turn left and when to turn right so that I do not hit a temptation that I cannot handle. You know where the evil one is prowling? So God, I give up my control. I give up my right to dictate my own future, my own way of living. And I say, God, I surrender it all to you. Have your way. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. Many times we go, lead me not into temptation. but the key word here is lead me. Would you give God leadership over your life? Lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. Amen. That is called giving God control. You know, once I heard this testimony, uh, there was uh, a, a, a expat and you know, old gentleman in our church in Malaysia, and you know, a real man of God. And he was saying that you know, because of his work, he had to uh, travel and work abroad. And there was one time his work assignment. You know, he, he's a European gentleman, so. Uh, For a season, he had to uh, be based in Thailand, in in, in Bangkok to work. Uh, Him alone, his, his wife also was working and was not able to be with him. So for a season, they had to be apart. Uh, and he was sharing and just being honest to say that you know uh, 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 I I'm an average looking person, or at least I think I am. Uh, but when you are a white man in Bangkok, you know a, 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 a lot of people uh, uh, find you attractive. They find you exotic. And and every day I will walk to work, and and the fastest route to work is sometimes i have got to take a shortcut through this little market, but this market is also notorious at night, you know, as, as a, a, a a pub, bar, red light district kind of place. And, and, and But it's like the fastest way, you know, and when you're walking and living in Southeast Asia, you know, it rains. It's not like in the UK, you know, when it rains, you'd be like, yeah, sounds about right, life goes on, you know, but you know in in asia when it rains it pours lightning thunderstorm floods and so you're heavily inconvenienced when the the environment is not to you know against you and so sometimes the easiest way the easiest way is you know the the most sheltered area uh, is that dodgy part of town and and and, and yet living alone he said god Lead me, not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. God, I know my weaknesses. And and even if I'm not weak, sometimes, you know, the temptation can be too strong. So God, you know, lead me. You know, teach me. to. I'm, I'm a foreign person in a foreign land. I don't know how to navigate this city. But Lord, help me to avoid the dodgy lanes. Help me to avoid the temptation. If I have to, you know, walk further, if I have to get drenched more, I will get drenched. As long as I can be, you know, uh, still holy uh, before Your presence, you know, if I have to sweat more. And when you walk in Asia, you sweat; it's hot, you know. That's why hardly anyone walks in Asia. But you know, He had to, and and, and I would sweat more for You, you know. Whatever it is, I will sweat more. I will get drenched more, you know. I I I I will I will walk longer, as long as You lead me on the path of righteousness. How many of us would say that, God? You know, I know I'm weak, and the internet is this super highway into everywhere. And God, help me, Lord. That that Lord, if I'm if I'm too weak, then lead me, Lord, lead me. I don't want to be scrolling the wrong down the wrong rabbit hole. I don't want to just be, you know, watching stuff I'm not supposed to watch. So, God, lead me, lead me. You know, God, have control over my internet habits. Have control over uh, uh, my browsing behavior. God, have control. Have control. God, you know, it's pandemic. Oh, I miss my boyfriend. I miss my girlfriend. The whole world says live together. The whole world says just move in. The whole world says it's better. It's more logical. But God, not my way, but your way. Lord, lead me. Lead me. Not my own leadership, but your leadership over my life. The world says, you know, marriage is whatever you make of it. Whoever can marry, even if you don't want to marry, you can shack in together, have kids, do whatever you want. As long as you're not hurting anyone, But God says, no. No. Pursue me. Pursue holiness. Would you say, God, lead me? Not as the world says, not when it's just, law, lo- even if it's logical to me, God, I do not submit to my own logic. Even if it's pleasurable, God, I do not want to submit to my own pleasure. Even if it's pleasing to my eyes, God, I submit to your leadership because my eyes and my vision is limited, but your vision is eternal. Amen. You know, we need to do this. And Jesus was teaching us this when you pray. You know, one thing Jesus did a lot, he prayed. He prayed a lot. And guess what? You know, Jesus wasn't just, you know, do as I say, not as I do. I believe that when Jesus, as he taught them how to pray, I believe that every time he went away to pray, he prayed the same prayer. In fact, at the Garden of Gethsemane, before he Face the the, the biggest obstacle called the cross. When he was tempted, you know what? He says, Father, let this cup depart from me, but not my will. Does it sound familiar? Not my will, but yours be done. And he was giving leadership of his life to God. And God says, I want you to go to the cross. And Jesus surrendered. Jesus role model out submission to God. Not just submission to God, By the armor of God. Because when you live a prayerful life, when you pray, when you declare the Lord's Prayer over your life daily, oh, it forms a shield, it forms an armor around your life so that you can pursue holiness with God and you grow in your intimacy with Him. Amen. You know, can I share one scripture? In Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You know, sometimes we, we don't just have the enemy, the devil, to contend with our flesh. We are broken, right? We are, our sin, the sin of mankind has corrupted the world. So our environment is messed up. We are messed up on the inside and the enemy is messed up and dragging us down. But what does the Bible says? It says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means be more like Christ. Pray like Christ, live like Christ, love like Christ, think like Christ, and give no provision. Leave no space. Give no, you know, no space for your flesh to fulfill its lust. Many times we think that, oh, it's logical, oh, I'm in control. You're just giving your flesh more room for it to fulfill its lust. Oh, it's pleasurable. So, you know, you're giving your flesh more space. Oh, it's logical, more space. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's pleasing. It makes sense to me. You know, it saves money, more space. And then little by little, we lose everything. We lose the, the, the salvation that God purchased for us. Don't do that, friends. Don't do that. Amen. You know, I, I preach way too much and I just want to bring things to a close. And I pray that this message has helped you. I pray that this has blessed you. You know, does it mean that we, therefore when we pray this and, and, and we will never face temptation? No, no, we will be tempted. You know, we, we will be tempted. Uh, but when we pray this, we are we are reminding ourselves that even as I'm going through this temptation, you know, I trust that that you know not to give in because there is a larger context. Reframe your context. You know, I know that God's allowing me to go through this valley, go through this offence. You know sometimes we are tempted when other people hurt us and we are tempted to hate them back. You know, do offenses come? Yeah, they come, uh, but we need to trust in God's nature that that know that, that God has a plan, you know. even when we pray, God, I give you leadership, I relinquish control. You know, doesn't mean that God will not bring us to some uncomfortable passages. Jesus relinquished control and God brought him to the cross. What does this mean? For us, in First Corinthians chapter 13, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, says this, No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to men. But God is faithful. Remember the character of the Father. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. He knows the context. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. God will still bring us to temptation, but he will also give us a way out. That is the context. You can be in a temptation, you can be tempted, but there is a way out. That is the context. He is a father who will not tempt you more than you can bear. That's the good character of God. And the thing is this, when you relinquish your control, God's grace takes over. You see, the grace of God is not permission to sin. The grace of God is not to cover up your sin. You know, that's a wrong thinking. That's why a lot of us we go like, oh, by the grace of God, we're just saying that, oh, God will cover up my sin. The grace of God is the ability, the, the, the undeserved merit, the undeserved gift from God that comes over us, the strength that comes over us, uh, the, the anointing that comes over us that helps us to say no to the things we need to say no to and yes to the things we need to say yes to. When we relinquish control to God, we're asking for the grace of God to enter our lives. Would you say yes to God today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that you help us not just to be hearers of the word today, but help us to live it out. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in all that we do. God, we know that temptation is real in the world that we're living in. Lord, we are constantly being tested. We're constantly being tempted. But Lord, help us, Lord, to remember that we are not just citizens of earth. We are citizens of heaven on earth. And Lord, there is a bigger picture. There is a bigger plan. There is a bigger vision. You have a bigger plan and purpose purposes for us than what we face. So Lord, help us to pass every test so that we do not miss out on your great plan for us. And God, we know that you are a good father that does not lead us to a place where we cannot handle it. For every temptation, there will be a way out. That way out produces a testimony and that testimony can set other people free. So God, we give you control. We give up our control over what we think is wise in our eyes. Lord, if there's anything in our lives right now that we are doing, that we are self-justifying by saying that, nah, I, I, I can handle this. I'm not addicted. No, this is not a problem. Lord, forgive us and cause us to repent. God, help us, Lord, to admit it is a problem. We are not in control. This is not right before you, even if it's right before my friends. And Lord, we come back to that place. repent. We for, ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we ask that you help us to armor up, help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can withstand and so that we can overcome our flesh. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Friends, before I close today's meeting, I just want to give you an opportunity. Friends, God loves you. I said it again and again. We have a Father who loves us, who knows what we're going through. And friends, I want you to know, yeah, You know, we live in a broken, messed up world. All of us, we've we've got brokenness within us. We're not here to judge, but I also know this. God loves you too much to see you stay broken, to see you stay addicted, to see you uh, uh, be, you know, feeding yourself lies uh, 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 about yourself, about your self-worth, about your own future. They are not from him. They are from the devil. They are from hell itself. And God wants to set you free. Would you... Invite Jesus into your heart. Like I said, God has given us the beautiful gift of choice. Would you choose Christ? Would you open up your heart to Him? Would you allow Him to change your status from lost to saved, from sinner to saint by His grace? And would you allow Him to heal you? Would you allow Him to deliver you? Would you allow Him to set you free from that which the world cannot set you free from? Would you Would you, Would you? you say yes to that? Would you say yes to freedom? Would you say yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If that's you, after this, we're going to say a prayer. I want you to echo it with your heart, with all sincerity. And I believe that when you do that, the Bible says something supernatural happens. You are born again. Uh, The old will die off. The the old self will dissipate and a new you will be birthed. There will be new confidence, new hope, new future, a new you, a new life. In Christ Jesus, would you give your life to him today? I pray that you do. God bless. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit,